0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Oscar Evanson and I'm joined by James Heal and Nick Tyrone, author of the This Week in Brexitland Substack. And today we're talking about the Liberal Democrats and what their 2024 might look like. After a string of by-election successes, could this be the year that the Lib Dems do cut through and we see the return of three-party politics? So James, starting with you, the Liberal Democrats kicked off their campaigning in Guildford this week with a huge poster branding them as Ed Davies' Tory removal service. Do you think the not-Tory message is a strong enough
2: one going into an election year? Well, I think we saw a perfect um, encapsulation of what the Lib Dems year is going to be all about this week, which is in know, area like Guildford, pitching themselves very simply as getting rid of the Tories. And that's their strategy, really. And I think it's all done as a direct contrast to 2019, when I think there was a, a policy of Project 320 of targeting enough seats to win the actual election. And obviously, they ended up uh, with, I think it was uh, 10 or 11 last 11. time. 11 seats last time. And so this time, they're very much more focusing on a handful also about 20 seats and trying to get about 30 and of course on the one hand you think what's wrong with that any party that doubled their seats overnight from 15 to 30 yeah. you know that's a that's a 100% return that's a very effective success mm-hmm. however there are dissenting voices within the liberal democrats um who say that they should be standing for more should be more of a vision and this was uh, encapsulated publicly back in november when there was an open letter signed by a couple of dozen or so Liberal Democrat grandees calling them for more of an internationalist vision, being tougher on Brexit and also trying to expand the debate rather than just simply being, as you allude to there, Oscar, just the anti-Tory party. Mm. Um, I think I'm not sure we're going to see any sign of shift in that because I think 2019 was such a chastening experience. The Liberal Democrats have obviously had a pretty awful decade or so in terms of electoral successes. So it's more about trying to uh, take... they're, they're, They're fairly relaxed about kind of some of this criticism at the leadership and about... The fact that they've only got sort of 11% of the polls, what they would point to is the fact they've got a very effective ground game, they've expanded their. Uh, field operations and the fact they've won a, a quartet of a string of, of successful by-elections and of course last May uh, they would point to the fact that uh, the sky predictor for how many gains they were going to get actually failed to take out of how mm. many gains it broke they broke the sky <laughs> pendulum last May so um, they're feeling confident optimistic looking to this year and pretty relaxed about being in those parts of sort of Surrey and Hertfordshire mm. being the anti-Tory force there. Yeah, and Nick, I mean mm. you've described the Lib Dems to be the none of the above
1: party mm. a few times in articles on our Coffee House blog. Yeah. Do you think they'll be happy with that title for the time being at least? I don't think they'll publicly if you if you uh,
0: you know, you cornered a Lib Dem, particularly in a public uh, space and said you are the none of the above party. They would, of course, vehemently deny it. But mm-hmm. it's clear that that is the strategy. I felt at the leadership, last leadership election, they really there was like a, a sort of a fork in the road. And it was Layla and Layla Moran basically wanted to, it was clear they basically wanted to probably lean in. I mean, this is a guess, but probably wanted to lean into them. You know, the, 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 they were the anti-Brexit party, so maybe they'd become like the pro rejoining the single market. They, yeah. You know, they'd be very much on the European the turf still, um, and they but they would shift to the left, and their idea would particularly with Starmer sort of obviously he's taken Labour uh, quite a bit further to the right. Hmm. I mean that wasn't hard really to take it further right than Corbyn had it, but but that's what he's done, and they probably would have tried to sort of park their tanks, you know, sort of in that left wing space. Uh, Ed Davey took a totally different view, and I think his view was there's no point in being you know leading. There's no point in having a 15-point uh, uh, margin. There's no point in having getting 15% of the polls, 20% in the polls, and and actually you end up with five seats or ten seats or what what have you. He's really clearly saying here's where we can win, and he's identified basically the London commuter belt, you uh, know, the blue wall, if you like, the old seats they had in the southwest pre 2015, and he and he's he's clearly decided on a. Prospectus that can get them those, give them the best chance at those seats back, and and as far as I can tell, it's sort of like if, I was gonna, if someone was going to describe to me what are the Lib Dems now, what, 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 what you know, what do they stand for? Mm. I'd probably say well, they're sort of. The woke NIMBY party, which is, (laughs) I mean, you know, not for me. I I don't like, I don't really like either of those two things, but that's what they've, they've gone for. The woke thing really, because that's where they're, that keeps the activists happy. Mm. Uh, And then the NIMBY thing, because that's really, that's, they figured that that's the wedge issue that they can get seats from and you, they've shown it in by elections, uh, Cheshire and Amersham being the most prominent one where they really ran on the NIMBYism issue. And it's clear they're going to do that in a you know, whatever it is 20 seats. And you know, if they end up with 30 seats, Ed can say, Well, job done. Yeah. I suppose, in terms of the future, could they take the if they get 30, 35 seats, could they then take that forward under new leadership and do something with it? I, I guess it's just. It's just not, I mean, you know, like I said, I, w- I was a Lib Dem member for about 10 years, and I
1: wouldn't vote for them now. I mean, no no chance at any level. Mm. Do you think there's any chance that, I mean, James mentioned the sort of dissenting voices within the Liberal Democrats that want them to take a, perhaps a stronger line when it comes to Europe, yeah. maybe talk about rejoining the single market. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that they'll sort of revert back to being the no Brexit bunch? Not this side of the
0: election. I mean, it's just clear that Ed has decided this is what he's going to do. Here's, you know, the one thing I can hand him is it is a it, it, it's a it's a coherent electoral strategy. You know, it, it, it is it, and it probably does give them the best chance of getting the most seats. It's just really uninspiring and just really quite insipid <laughs> and really awful, really. But I, I guess you know, is do I feel like in future, well, maybe the Lib Dems with more seats they'll be able to. <sighs> you know, pivot towards something. I guess here's my biggest frustration is, as you know, I, I talk to people who aren't political all the time. You know, I've got three kids. I speak to dads at the school gate. And they're always like, you know, they'll bring up the Lib Dems and just say, I don't understand. there just seems to be all this space in politics. You know, people aren't really, people just want to get rid of the Tories, but they're not really that inspired by Starmer. Surely, you know, there's the Lib Dems should be able to take up all of this space. And it's just like, well, they're just not interested in doing it. They don't, they, in a sense, it's like, it's a quite a high risk strategy. And they've tried kind of high-risk strategies before, and obviously it's blown up in their face. And so they're in a position where, look, let's just play it safe and get 30 seats or whatever it is. And in, again, it's kind of hard electorally, if you're just talking about seats matter, to
1: argue against it as a strategy, however much you like or don't like it. Mm. So talking about that space and, and, and those sort of... Because we, we hear a lot about that section of the sort of electorate that are obviously disillusioned with the Tories, but not totally convinced about Starmer yet... Do you think there's any issues on
2: which the Liberal
1: Democrats could perhaps lead the, the, the sort of national conversation? Well,
2: I think it would be leading it in the wrong way, but nimbyism, as um, as you say there, it is going to be a key one. And I think that it's also an underappreciated aspect of why the Greens are doing so well and now have got more councillors than UKIP ever did at their peak. Uh, is because they are seen as the party, I think, if you look at polls, um, who are going to be most inclined to defending local communities, i.e. from overdevelopment, i.e. Uh, not building in my backyard so I think that that is a kind of key force in British politics and I think as Starmer leans into planning certainly from his rhetoric that we wait to see how that will deal with the, the framework mm. uh, in terms of law um, the Lib Dems there could be a space there being like well look Labour are going to build all this stuff they could and so maybe not this election but further down the line you could see when we see some of those more Lib, Lib Dem Labour seats because there's so few of them right now that's when we could see some competition in that space but I think that one thing that the Liberal Democrats do really have is humour and we have a pretty, I'd say, straight lace, shall we, uh, Leader of the Opposition and Prime Minister. And so I think one of the ways they've effectively been able to get media airtime is by these series of stunts, by doing things like the Tory removal service this yeah. week. And I do think perhaps maybe it's not in terms of an inspiring policy offer, but then, of course, you know, the fiscal constraints on this country as we have them right now mean that that's probably a bit unlikely. So even if you're just, to, in terms of tone and emphasis, what they can actually be in the election is probably going to be, while Kirsten and Rachel Reeves are very much more sort of boring and serious mm-hmm. and, you know, presenting themselves as an alternative government, the Lib Dems can be the kind of spoiler effect, the sort of, um, a bit more of a, the sort of joker mm-hmm. element there, which mm-hmm. would be interesting to an in election. But, I mean, personally, I mean, I think political journalists were a cynical bunch. And I have to say that I think... I was really interested in reading Patrick Maguire's column in The Times today, and there were some voices saying, well, the Lib Dem should be leading on more conversations. I'm not really sure, when you only have 15 seats, how entitled you are to lead a national conversation. Um, I think it's much more... Easier to do that if you have, say, 30 seats and and just what the Lib Dems were in the early 90s when they are building and become the national third party, just at the time, of course, when the SNP uh, looked likely to get less than 30 seats maybe in the next general election, which, of course, would then mean you'd then have PMQs, a third spot, and you'd then be able to much more make that case for those arguments. And maybe perhaps a question about leadership succession as well at that point in terms of getting the kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. uh, new change that uh, Nick's talking about there.
0: Well, I think the problem with uh, I agree with you about it but, you know them being more humorous more lighthearted, hearted uh, is probably a winner for them. It would just be helpful if they had someone more
1: charismatic than Ed Davies, leader to carry that stuff off but but talking about Ed Davey, I mean, do you think he should be worried about his involvement in this this whole sort of post office scandal? Could that possibly be be mortal for his leadership?
0: I mean I think it probably would be if they Again, if they weren't so blank and they've worked so hard on being the none of the above party, probably to the extent that they probably ever could have passed themselves off as that, they've done it. Mm. And so in a sense, it's like when when you're not about anything, it's really hard for anything to stick to you because it's like, oh, OK, well, I I mean, I could end up being wrong about this. I just don't think it's going to really affect them because I, I just sort of think they see people like when when people are voting Lib Dem, when they do at by-elections, it's no it's nothing to do with Ed Davey or his offer or or the Lib Dems as a party. It's just that they've successfully set themselves up as none of the above. It's a it's a protest vote and it will be at the general election. And so I I would find it difficult to see anything you know any personal scandal unless it was huge, mm-hmm. really sticking to someone.
2: Yeah, I also think the post office scandal spans all three main parties. I mean, Pat McFadden was asked about this in the the, the late days of the Gordon Brown government. He was asked this on yesterday on when he was out on the radio. You know, obviously the Tories, it's been for the past 10 years, they've been in office. And of course, the coalition days as well. The Liberal so I'm not really sure... Which political party necessarily becomes the driving force of this? Because frankly, it was a massive state failure, mm. uh, and therefore that makes it a little bit more tricky to be people to be like, well, it was specifically Ed mm. Davies' fault, it was specifically this person's fault, and so I don't think it, that would would be obviously if you're trying to invent a new politics, etc., and paint Tory sleaze as purely being about the failings of conservatives as people. that's makes it that that blunts that attack, mm. but I don't think it's anywhere near that. I think in terms of this year, just looking ahead, I think that. Uh, It's going to... Last year was obviously phenomenally successful, the Liberal Democrats. This year, obviously, the local elections... Uh, there's far fewer seats it's the smallest tranche up for offering but i would be looking ahead to uh, some of those areas tunbridge wells of course you know disgusted of tunbridge wells supposedly someone who writes in furiously to the telegraph letters pages that's going to be up for grabs so i'll be interested to see the borough council there that's great clark's seat uh, and also uh, dorset council's up for grabs and that's kind of the the, the home counties meets the west country so i'll be interested to see if they can take those seats and then so i think that although maybe if we have an autumn election less high profile than the kind of successes Ooh. which saw help see Boris Johnson out the door, quote unquote, in their, their sort of language. Uh, I still think it'll be a good year for them when it comes down to the general election.
1: And and Nick, do you think they'll be able to translate by election success, local election success, into ultimate twenty twenty four election success? No, not really not really.
0: I mean they'll they'll do they'll do okay. They'll do less well than most people think because Lib Dems always do less well than everybody thinks, mm. you know. So if we're talking, well, we expect them to get 30, yeah. they'll probably end up with like 21, 22. And are, can they be happy with that? I mean, I suppose. I guess they can console themselves with, well, what was the other way to get that many seats without having a much higher risk strategy? You know, really going for it with the single market stuff and then, but going, well, where are we going to sit with that? How, where are we going to get the seats? I think the big problem for the Lib Dems really is it's a big change election, coming up. You know, it's really about, do you want to give the Tories another chance? Do you want to get rid of them? And if you want to get rid of the Tories, you know, there's going to be all this stuff from the left about, uh, you know, um, tactical voting, all that kind of stuff. That stuff just generally just tends not to work. I think people will kind of go, well, I I don't want the Tories, I'm going to vote Labour to get rid of them. And I just think the Lib Dems are probably going to be squeezed, like they always do. They, they always get squeezed. But again, maybe on the nimbyism thing, maybe there's, there is room for them to sort of say... I guess a pitch that they could make, particularly in blue wall seats, is, look, there's going to be a Labour government... That's really clear. But maybe there's a hung parliament, who knows? And actually your best chance is vote for the Lib Dems and we will be we'll be the nimbies in parliament. That, uh, But I mean, the, the thing is, they can't really say that nationally. <laughs> so it's tricky. But maybe in certain seats where they're targeting, I mean, maybe that, it might work.
2: And also yeah, Lib Dems traditionally have done well when they can slightly deep, um, change the messaging from say the Southwest, which it's kind of Brexity traditionally. Also mm. the history of Euroscepticism, nonconformism. to where I live in Southwest London, where you see sort of Richmond and Kingston very different types of messaging to other parts of the country and the tradition did well in you know some of the seats like uh, charles Kennedy in scotland so i mean we could see a bit more granular in terms of election when it actually comes down to it. Um, and I'll be interested to see how much they sort of do deviate from national messaging. Because in some ways, the Lib Dems can get away with it a bit more because they're not going to be the government, the next government. He's not going to be the alternative prime minister, Davey. So I think that'll be one to really watch when it comes down to localised campaigning. And they take great pride in getting their ground game out. So we'll see how effective that is come the general election.
0: I mean, one of the strange things is, one of the, Lib- the a big Lib Dem
2: talking point has always been, oh, we need to have debates,
0: and the Lib Dems need to be invited into them. And it's a, you know... After Clegg, obviously, that's never happened since. And actually, they, I think they can be thankful now <laughs> because actually, having to have Ed Davey take you know a bunch of contradictory points on a national mm. stage would probably be actually hurt them. The fact that they're a little bit invisible nationally and they can just be local where they need to be will mm. actually
2: help them. I think they're going to be emphasising a campaign which is really based around um, public services. So you asked earlier about differences with, with Labour. Mm. I think whereas Labour is kind of on the NHS. Yeah, they 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 want to talk more about the economy because they want to take the fight to the Tories on that. Uh, Lib-, Lib Dems might sort of emphasise that on the sort of on the ground elements of the NHS, like uh, GPs being unable to get the services there. I think they've got a policy for uh, a legally mandated waiting time for uh, GP appointments. So I think we'll see more of that and and sewage because um, talking to one Lib Dem, they said, well, it's coming up more in some some areas of the country. Mm-hmm. There are some surveys where sewage ranks more higher as an issue than the NHS. Mm-hmm. And so I suspect we'll see what the the playbook that will work well for them in twenty twenty should be brought out again and used again in 2024
1: great well thank you james thank you nick and just one final announcement before we go that the spectators broadcast team is hiring so if you've got an interest in current affairs and you'd like to work on podcasts such as this one as well as our youtube channel spectator tv then do follow the link in the description of this podcast and thank you very much for listening